Draft Week fantasy coaches and welcome to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Sylvester. And today we're going to be joined by Scott Bianowski of Yahoo.com. Scott's been around the industry forever and has proven his expertise by constantly finishing in our top 25 accuracy rankings, including a pair of first place finishes. I'm really excited to hear about which players he's a believer in this season and who he's avoiding. But first, we'll talk about some of the top news items we have this week. Hi, Scott. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Looking forward to talking some football. Yeah, it's a great week. I love draft week. And uh, I, like I said, I'm dying to hear who you have to pick because I know it's going to be right. But some of this stuff, uh, some of these guys like Andrew Luck being the first quarterback on your board, uh, compared to the ex- expert consensus rankings, it's a little bit of a mystery to me. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what you have to say. Uh, but like I said, first, we're going to start with news of the week. And uh, obviously, the top news is that Tony Romo is going to be out for eight to 12 weeks and Dak Prescott is in. What is Prescott's upside? Well, we know he could run. Uh, we know he's athletic. Um, I'm a little nervous about his stats are so great in the preseason, but obviously against vanilla defenses, teams are going to throw all kinds of stuff at him in the regular season. Um, I, I think he can be in somebody who's in a super flex league, uh, a league where you need to start multiple quarterbacks. You could consider him as a low floor, but somewhat high upside quarterback too. Uh, in a more standard league, we only need one quarterback. You may only be drafting one quarterback where not every starter gets taken in the league. I don't necessarily think you need to make him any kind of a priority. Maybe if you just think what the heck with one of your last bench spots. But of course. in those types of leagues, I generally want to spend my roster spots elsewhere. And I don't want to load up a quarterback. So it would need to be a, a format where you needed multiple starters at quarterback, I think, before I'd be interested in Prescott. Now, if it came down to it, would you take him over RG3? How does he compare with RG3? That's a great question. You know, I would have to go with Griffin just because he's been around the block once before. And I think he has more to to work with as great as Des Bryant is. Obviously, Des Bryant would be more fantasy interesting than any other receiver that the Browns have. But they're building a pretty nice offense here with Corey Coleman, their draft choice, and Gary Barnett had a really nice season. And I've been low on Josh Gordon. Talk about news of the week. I mean, Josh Gordon playing and really flashing in the the third game. Um, made me wonder that maybe I don't have him ranked high enough. We know the downside there. Obviously, he's going to miss four games, and he's got two strikes against him in the suspension program. But still, uh, just reminding everybody, maybe I needed to see it, just how good of a football player he can be. We didn't see it the last time he played in the NFL game, but it was exciting just as a football fan to see Josh Gordon make a big play again. I, I would have to side with Gordon with – I'm sorry, with Griffin over Prescott. You're exactly right about Gordon. I mean, he really impressed me this past week. And, you know, I'm starting to think he is way too far down there in ECR. Uh, ECR is expert consensus rankings, and they have him at number 96 right now. How far are you willing to uh, to reach for Josh Gordon at this point to make sure you can grab him? I would have to be set with all the receivers I'm going to be starting, meaning the receiver slots, if I'm going to be using receivers and flex. At this point, uh, the way football is played in 2016, I probably want my flex spots to be receivers. I would not want to need. I would not want him to be taking the place of somebody who I'm going to use for the first month of the season. I mean, remember, in most fantasy leagues, you have about 13 weeks to make the playoffs. So missing somebody for four games is not insignificant. Yeah. And then there could yeah. be some some get up to speed time. We saw it the last again. We I mentioned it a little bit earlier that one season where he came back for the final chunk of the year and and people were all thrilled and excited and okay, save my season, Josh Gordon. And he really didn't do much of anything that season. Of course, you know, the the last full season he played, uh, and even that wasn't a full season, but I think he was the number two fantasy receiver in that season. But 
it's not like we've never seen Gordon come into a season after some downtime and have uh, you know growing pains or just time to get adjusted into the offense. So I, I would not want him anywhere in a spot where it was going to block one of my starters. And maybe that's not aggressive enough. Maybe that means I won't have Gordon. But I felt after this this weekend, I needed at least to reevaluate what my position was. That's great insight. And, uh, you know, I, I know it's a really big news story what's happening with Kaepernick, but I think that would open up a can of worms. So we're not going to talk about it. I don't think that's really why the listeners are here. Um, but what is fantasy relevant news, perhaps, is that Ezekiel Elliott, whether you think it doesn't matter or not that he took a picture in front of a marijuana store, it is illegal if he does end up smoking. It would lead to a suspension. So does this worry you as a fantasy owner um, or is this just something he was doing as a, as a dumb kid? Uh, you know, the type of thing we were all prone to as kids. You just hope, I mean, you just hope he's going to be focused on football and he's going to make good decisions. Of course. I don't think it's a big deal. I don't think the Cowboys think it's a big deal. Remember, too, there was an issue with him four, five, six weeks ago where they thought there might have been maybe an issue with him and an assault, and it turns out that that seems to have gone away. Dallas just wants him to play football. They want him to be focused. They Obviously, with the number four pick in the draft, you get to assume he's going to play right away. Running back is a position very different than quarterback or tight end or receiver. It's a position with the least amount of learning curve as far as the offensive skill spots where somebody can come right in and be a factor right away. I'm not taking it that serious. I, I just hope that that's the last time we hear of anything off the field with, with Elliot that just makes you pause for a second. But I didn't yeah. adjust my ranking of him in any way for that. Yeah, I'm right with you there. Now, one guy where I did adjust my ranking, uh, another First round uh, talent is AJ Green. He had a little bit of a knee wow. scare. Now they're saying it's not serious, but as a fantasy owner, I, I'm a little bit worried. How do you feel about Green's knee at this point? And are you moving him down your board at all? Yeah, it makes you a little nervous. Is also the other news with Green is that he's expecting his first child with his wife, and Interesting. He, he will miss a game if it fall if it happens to coincide with uh, the time of the week where they're playing. And, and you know, if it's his first child, I'm, I'm never going to question anybody on something like that. But yeah, we have to at least factor that into what how many games you may be getting out of green it's kind of hard to know who to trust with injuries the players are always optimistic unfailingly in part because they've all had superhero histories and they've all been just overachievers just to get to the nfl and to be a factor in the nfl means that you've succeeded all your life athletically and sometimes maybe there could be a reason where you don't want to give the team incentive to replace you or to think they can't count on you or you don't want to go on the pup list or you don't want to go on ir the players between just feeling optimistic about themselves and having no reason to give anybody a reason to doubt them or a reason to replace them. It just makes it hard to know. And now you throw in the wrench where the way the NFL has changed the reporting of injuries, that's going to be an interesting thing for fantasy players to adjust to. It's just hard to know when the, when the team shrugs and said, everything's fine. I mean, that's what the Cowboys said with Romo right after his injury in that preseason game, they were shrugging it off, said it wasn't a big deal. And now it sounds like maybe he won't play the entire season. Certainly going to be out yeah. for a significant amount of time. I thought Green was the number four player on the board. After the big three receivers went off, I thought you could conceivably take him at number four. I feel like you have to move him back a half round after this latest news. And then finally, another player that used to be a top talent at least uh, is Jimmy Graham. And I know you're you're pretty low on Jimmy Graham now, but after Pete Carroll staying, he's having a stellar preseason could be back for week one. Is there any chance Jimmy Graham ends up a top five tight end or is he, is he truly done? He's not going to be on my teams. Uh, I hear no. the words patellar tendon. It's just an injury that players do not recover from quickly. Oftentimes they don't recover at all. And remember with Graham before he got hurt last year, 
he wasn't doing anything in the Seattle offense. And then when right. he was off the field, coincidentally enough, that offense really took off and the passing game really took off. Pete Carroll's, you know, his, his whole theme is competition in that camp. And then he's generally an optimistic coach. But there's a case where I'm not going to buy into the optimism. If somebody's going to beat me to Graham, he's not going to be on any of my teams. All right, let's jump over to the big segment of this episode called Bullish and Bearish. Basically, we're going to ask uh, – basically, our listeners all know that your rankings are always among the top experts. So, of course, they want to know who you're high on and who you're low on. And the first guy I want to talk about, as I mentioned before, is Andrew Luck. You have him as the number one quarterback. Expert consensus rankings have him as number four. So why are you so high on Luck right now? Well, look at the shape of the Colts as a team. I don't like the defense. Uh, Their starting running back is 33 years old. And look, I can throw out everything Luck did on the field last year. I, I can tie that to injury. I don't have any problem with that. They have some good receivers in this offense. We know what T.Y. Hilton can do. I'm excited to see what Dontre Moncrief may be possible, maybe capable of. Philip Dorsett is somebody they spent a lot of draft capital on. He's coming yeah. into his second season. I think they're going to allow a lot of points. They're going to play, obviously play indoors for all their home games. It's going to be what I like to call a carnival. This is going to be a lot of scoring in Colts games. I think it's going to be a lot of volume. It's going to be a lot of passing, which tends to stretch games out as well. I think this offense throws 600-plus passes. Where I look at, you know, say, a Cam Newton, you know, as great of a runner as Newton is, obviously he was the MVP last year, but he had a very unrepeatable touchdown percentage. He was never really a great touchdown passer until last season. Newton that is, uh, had a very high uh, touchdown percentage last year. I don't think we'll repeat a better defense for Carolina, an easier schedule for Carolina. I just wonder if there may be some games where, where Cam's coasting in the fourth quarter or maybe even on the bench for the last series or two where I think Luck's going to be playing on his with his hair on fire all season where we don't know if the running game will be great. Also, the offensive line looks pretty banged up. And usually when an offensive line is not reliable, that usually means the running game suffers more and you have to mask it in the passing game. It's easier to mask a mediocre offensive line in the passing game than the running game. And I think the Colts are going to probably face that this year. So I'm looking at a, a ton of opportunity from somebody who we all know is an elite player. I like the wide receivers here. We know they have an old running back. They don't really have anybody behind Gore right now. Uh, they may add some guys as, as names become available. But, I mean, there's really nothing in this running game I'm excited about. I think the Colts are going to have to throw as much as anybody in the AFC. Now, I'm right with you on all of that, with Andrew Luck being uh, the most talented, being in a great situation, all those game scripts going his way. But the thing I'm concerned about is that shoulder. That tends to be a lingering issue with uh, with throwers in baseball. We haven't seen it as much in football, but is that something that concerns you a little bit? Maybe seems like uh, a risky pick to you, or is, is he past that? No, that's a fair point. Um, I will say also that even though I have Luck ranked, as my number one quarterback, that doesn't necessarily mean he has to end up on any of my teams. This is one of those, although I do have a couple of luck shares, but it's not like I go into a draft and you know, Andrew Luck is the focus of my draft. One thing that I think is unique to this football season is how you can get a decent, interesting quarterback value at pretty much any price point you want. I see maybe only five or six teams in the NFL right now that have quarterbacks I don't want to get invested in. That's San Francisco situation's probably a mess. There's a couple other teams that I don't really trust right now, but if you want to go with the second tier quarterback, you, you want to maybe pay a little bit less. Maybe you can get Russell Wilson a little cheaper. You go a little bit less. Maybe you take a breeze. Maybe you take a Roethlisberger. Eli Manning is tied to Odell Beckham, which is very good. I love the San Diego weapons. Sets up for Phillip Rivers. Do you want to wait for Tom Brady? Uh, Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota both showed promise last year. There's reason to be optimistic on them. 
If you want to wait another tier, Ryan Fitzpatrick throws the two really good receivers. The Lions generally can't run the ball. Matthew Stafford almost always throws 600 passes. Tyrod Taylor is a run-pass option in Buffalo. I could go on and on. We could talk for an hour about all the different quarterbacks. We talked about Prescott maybe having some quarterback team juice yeah. deeper leagues. Alex Smith runs the ball really well. You know, Griffin now has interesting targets. At any point, if you want to step into quarterback, at any tier, I think if you want to get dip your toe in, there's going to be something for you. So if anybody out there is, is, shares your concern about Luck's shoulder, I think I, I was kind of mitigating that worry when I saw how crisp Luck looked in the preseason. But you're right. I mean, that's something we have to consider. I just feel like at any point you want to get involved, you're going to find there's something for everybody in this quarterback board. It has never been this deep. That's really interesting. Uh, something else I found really interesting was your article about the regression police. Scott, that was a great article. I'm so glad I read it before my draft. Um, tell us a little bit about Doug Baldwin and your views on the regression police. Sure. Uh, well, we know what Doug Baldwin did. He, he's been a nice player his entire career, but a very complimentary one, you know, kind of a fantasy receiver four, receiver five. He probably was even on waiver wires in a lot of leagues last year. And then he goes crazy. He's the number two fantasy receiver in the second half of the season. He scores 14 touchdowns and a very low amount of receptions and targets. And so it's very reasonable that people look and say, well, wait a minute, Doug Baldwin's not this good. Doug Baldwin's not a 14 touchdown guy. He's not going to repeat this rate of touchdowns per reception or touchdowns per target. To which I, I nod and I say, yes, that, that's true. I don't think he'll score 14, 14 touchdowns either. But you can't just look at Doug Baldwin and scream out regression and, and walk away and just say, well, he's not this good. He's not going to repeat these numbers and walk away. He's not being drafted in the first round. He's not being drafted in the second round. He's not being treated like last season as the new normal for Baldwin. And I think what I like to say with regression, and regression is a great concept. It's a great fantasy thing to understand, the idea that things are away from, from normal rates and, and things, some things just aren't sustainable for good or for bad. And that gives us a nice first step into analyzing what's likely to happen in the next season, the next week, the next month, what have you. But regression should start every conversation. It does not end every conversation. I could say to you, Cam Newton's not going to repeat what he did last year. That's not the answer in and of itself. Now, if Cam Newton's being priced in the first or second round of a public league, then, then maybe it is. Maybe it is that simple. The thing with Baldwin is he's going somewhere between the third and fifth round in most leagues. I've seen him pretty much a fourth round pick in almost every league I've been in. Where what do you expect from a fourth round receiver? Maybe around a thousand yards, maybe seven or eight touchdowns, something like that. I think those are perfectly reasonable targets for Baldwin. They yep. paid him in the offseason. He's their number one receiver. They got more aggressive with the offense in the second half down the stretch. Graham was hurt. Every pass he gets is from Russell Wilson, which is basically gold. I mean, he's he's one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the NFL. And that's why Seattle can get done what they do in their passing game with a lot less attempts than some other teams. So to anybody who just says regression with Baldwin and walks away, I say, well, yeah, he's going to regress. I still think he'll go over 1,000 yards. I think he's an excellent bet to at least score seven or eight touchdowns. I would give him a fair chance at getting back into double digits again, not 14, but maybe nine or 10 touchdowns, something like that. I love Doug Baldwin in the fourth round. He's on probably about 40% of my teams right now. I'm right there with you, and I'm glad I'm not in any drafts with you because I'm getting Doug Baldwin on my team uh, for the same reasons. Uh, you look at what he did. I mean, you talked about those low receptions and yards compared to the touchdowns. That's exactly right. But his yard totals were uh, were right up there with some of the top guys in the second half. He was getting uh -huh. a bunch of yards and receptions. And uh, I think he'll be able to continue a lot of that because 
regression's a lot easier to say with touchdowns, but with yards and receptions, that tends to be a true thing. It's not like there was some great wide receiver on his team who was hurt, and so he ended up scooping up a bunch of receptions like Kamar Aiken or uh, or Sanu did a couple years ago. He was the guy, and he's going to continue to be the guy in that Seattle offense. And remember, it wasn't that long ago where they brought in a Percy Harvin, where they brought in a Sidney Rice, where they brought in Jimmy Graham, where they thought Baldwin would be a complimentary piece in their offense. Now they have paid Baldwin and made it clear he's their number one guy. So while he's not going to get 200 targets, he's not going to get 180. I don't think he's going to get 160. I think it's a fair bet to say he's probably looking at his career high in targets. He wasn't used that much in the early part of last season. I feel very confident he's headed towards a career high in targets, in, in part because Seattle has readjusted their feelings on Baldwin and, and how he fits into their offense. Now, moving over to another position, we'll look at the running backs. And you're 14 spots lower on Amir Abdullah than the rest of the experts. You have him at number 45 for running backs. Why no love for Abdullah? Really simple. He's not the goal line back. He's yeah. not the third down back. So, so what is he? He's not, I, do we even know that he's going to be a great home run hitter? 4.2 yards for carries and bad, but there's a lot of other guys in this offense. I think the defense is going to struggle to, to keep points off the board. I think it's an offense that always seems to be 600-plus pass attempts. We know they changed coordinators last season and then actually seemed like they were more aggressive after they went to Jim Bob Cooter. If, if you own Abdul, what are you hoping for? Because you're not going to get the chief touchdowns and you're not going to get those catches when they're playing hurry up or when they're playing from behind, those aren't going to belong to him either. I just don't feel like he's carved out a significant role for me to pay. Now, maybe I'm, I'm too low being 14 points lower than consensus. I mean, maybe I have to consider that I'm a little bit too crazy low on Abdullah, but <laughs> not, not only is he not on any of my teams, I've never even considered, I have not been in a draft where I've even considered drafting him. And I just want to say, you have to hang your hat on something. Is there a resume here? No. Are there, are there goal line carries? Probably not. Third down roll? Well, we know Theo Riddick is terrific in that role. So I just don't see where the upside for Abdullah is. Scott, for years, I've been reading your stuff and seeing your rankings. And every single time I see one of these expert mock drafts that we do, I look at your roster before I even know what's your roster. And I say, that's the best team every single time. I, I always tend to agree with you. And so I thought this interview might be a little bit boring because I agree with you on so many players and I'm right with you on Abdullah. There's no chance he's ending up on my roster. In fact, I like Zach Zenner to end up taking those first and second round uh, carries. Do you think there's a chance of that? Are you considering drafting Zenner in a deeper league? Yeah, I, he's not a bad late round. What the heck? We'll see if something develops in the first couple of weeks. And then where you draft Zenner, you'll have him on the shortest of leashes. If you don't see anything the first week or two, you'll cut him for the next thing that comes along. I mean, somebody is going to carve out the role around the goal line, you know, what Joyke Bell did in the last few seasons. I, I would think Zenner has a chance, and we know that they've cut Stephen Ridley. There are some other options there. I think Zenner at least has a possibility to be that guy. Now, you're high on Rashard Jennings, uh, not especially high, not like 14 spots higher, but you're five spots higher than expert consensus ranking. So, um, again, I'm, I'm right with you. I think Jennings is going to get a load of carries. Is that what it is for you, that he has no competition, or do you like his skill set, or what is it? I like the way he was used at the end of last season. And even though there's yeah. a new coach there, it's the offense coordinator being promoted. So it's essentially the same system. And Jennings is one of those guys, although the age may concern some people, there isn't a ton of mileage. He doesn't have an extensive amount of, of tread on the tires. So I see no reason why he couldn't handle just the role of a starter. I mean, last year they bring in Vereen, but you know they're not going to use him as a running back. I mean, they've soured on Williams, it looks like. 
it, it just seems like this could be a cheap 15 to 18 touchback. You're not paying that freight for You're getting him in the seventh, the eighth, the ninth round. For anybody out there who's going zero RB, one of the hot strategies, I think Jennings makes for an excellent target after you've loaded up some of your receivers. Maybe you have a running back. He could be your second or third option there. Yep, I'm in agreement with you there. But when we go to wide receivers, uh, I differ a little bit. And that's because you're low on Des Bryant, Jordy Nelson, and Kevin White. Now, I agree about Jordy Nelson because of his age and coming back from that that kind of injury at that age is is a real tall task. But why Des Bryant and Kevin White? Why are you low on those guys? White's the easier call for me. Uh, and, and also Brashard Perriman you can bring into this. I, I'm almost positive I'm low on Perriman. These guys have to reboot their rookie season. They just didn't get any chance to play last year. They were hurt right away. In the case of White, it's, it's not that I necessarily trust Jay Cutler, who, who can sometimes lock in on his primary guys. Now, maybe White will become one of those guys. I'm thinking we're going to see a boatload of targets go to Alshon Jeffrey. I want to see some proof of it. And yeah, obviously, you, you have to draft a guy like White or even Perryman. It's not like you can't you know, watch what they do and then get invested. You're going to have to draft them. In the case of White, like he's going to produce right away. I just don't want to make that leap of faith. I hate being low on Nelson. He's one of my favorite players, but I just feel like the second round, and I guess we can lump Dezen in there now too, players who have tremendous upsides, but I feel like they're floors I have to worry about. Bryant didn't play a lot last year. We know Nelson didn't play at all. Now we have to worry about Bryant's quarterback. I mean, what yeah. is Prescott ready to do? Uh, certainly, I, I felt Bryant was certainly a first-round pick when Tony Roma was the starter. And then hoping you, you would think Romo would play most of the season, but you know, now that's out the window. So I feel like in the second round, there's a lot of receivers who have a lot of upside. Okay. I think there's probably seven, eight, nine guys and the names start to run together. You know, Jeffrey and, and Cooper and, and Cooks and Evans, you know, Bryant and Nelson are in that mix. I want the upside and I want the floor. And I think yeah. Nelson and Bryant are now in positions where I can't feel that safe about their floor. I, I may reevaluate Bryant between now and the start of the season. I mean, it's a new situation. Romo news just came out a couple of days ago. So it's kind of fluid in my mind. I, I'm going to still think about it. And I, I change my ranks every day, not to be wishy-washy about it, but I'm, I'm always trying to get the best version of them out there. And, and the tremendous tip of the cap to fantasy pros, which is an invaluable resource. It's just amazing. You guys, you guys are coming out with tools. I can't even keep up with it sometimes. <laughs> you can do over that site. And, you know, if you don't like my ranks, that's fine. Just click on the people you like, click on the people you believe, and you can make a sheet based on that. So I, I tip my cap to you guys. But, uh, Brian, I, it's been he's been one of the toughest calls since we got the Romo news because I want to treat him like a first-round player, but right now I feel like I can't. Thanks for the kind words about, uh, about Fantasy Pros, Scott. Uh, I will say this. When I'm making my cheat sheet, I'm using your rankings because I believe in success, and uh, you're always right there at the top. Um, and you, you know what? You just sold me on Des Bryant. You're exactly right. Uh, there's too much risk there, and there's too many other players who don't have that kind of risk who also have upside. Uh, but Kevin White, I'm still not so sure. And the reason why, he was drafted fifth overall two years ago. Um, and then I look at guys like uh, the best rookie wide receiver, Sterling Shepard, um, you know, all those guys that you've got there, Michael Thomas. And I just think Kevin White, if he was in this past draft, he would be ranked significantly higher than all those guys. I mean, he was drafted – what, 20 slots higher than, than pretty much anyone else. And uh, it's because he's such a spectacular talent. So is it to you that he has a lot of, uh, you know, he's coming back from that injury or is it just the Jay Cutler situation? Yeah, but the, the injury, Cutler, John Fox, all those things. It, it's funny. I mean, two years ago, the story of fantasy football was the rookie receivers and just how many rookies went crazy. I mean, the, the list was ridiculous. 
and then last year it predictably crashed back to earth. I mean, the, the class of 2014 had to be seen as an outlier in its own right. But we also have to think, okay, are we getting to a point where the systems in college and the systems in the NFL are merging closer together where it's not that unusual? It used to be that you, rookie receiver, you just write them off. I mean, Randy Moss was an exception. There'd be guys like that who'd come up every once in a while. But generally, if you were to fade rookie receivers for a very long time, that was the right strategy. And then you would have gotten crushed in 2014 because too many of these guys were productive right away. Now, last year, the big story was injuries. A lot of these guys just couldn't stay on the field. But uh, you might be right. I mean, I, you know, White obviously needs to play. I mean, we, we the depth chart behind him is not that impressive. We don't know if their tight end will be healthy. Jeffrey himself, soft tissue injury. Every time you hear Jeffrey's name, they're talking about the hamstring mm, and his yeah. history of soft tissue injury. So, I mean, if White can show anything, he's going to be factored in right away. All right, and then let's look at a, a couple wide receivers that you're high on, and then that's all we'll have. Uh, Vincent Jackson and Brandon Cooks. Why do you like these guys so much? The Cooks is a lot like the situation we talked about in Indianapolis where I don't like the Saints defense. They have a coaching staff I feel good about. They have a quarterback I feel good about. Cooks was dynamite, really took off. He was fine his rookie year till he got hurt, but last year he, he went ballistic for about the last nine or ten weeks. Mm-hmm. It was maybe a half step behind where Baldwin was, but he, he was really playing great football near the end of the year. And I think that's something he'll build on and becomes a very bankable player. I, again, it's going to be a carnival. It's an indoor team with a bad defense, with a good quarterback. I think Cooks is a very safe volume play and has a very high upside. I would consider him at any point in the second round, even with the first pick in the second round. I think he's worth it. With Vincent Jackson, a little bit different situation. I don't think there's a ton of depth in this Tampa Bay passing game. Obviously, Evans is going to get his share. They don't really seem to know if Safarian Jenkins will be a factor in this passing game. He seems to bounce up and down. They have backs who can catch the ball. But still, I, I don't think there's a third or fourth receiver who looks like a major factor right now. Jackson, before last season, generally a good bet for 16 games. Now, of course, he's at the age now. We can't take his health for granted. But I think he's become a little bit underrated. Maybe people are down, you know, downplaying him after last season because he missed so much time. But a big receiver maybe has a better rapport already with Winston than the Mike Evans and Winston have. Oh, they did hook up for a touchdown last weekend. If nothing else, he'll be the number two receiver in an offense. Probably need to throw a lot. This is a team that might, might be five or six wins, might have another poor defense and in division where it seems like everybody can put points up. I think we're going to see a lot of volume for not just Evans, but also Vincent Jackson in this Tampa Bay passing game. Scott, before I let you go, I got to ask you one final question. Who outside the top 100? It seems like every year there's one or two players who outside the top 100 just just bust out and uh, just break out and they end up in the top 20 players. Is Who do you see doing that this season? A guy who's on a bunch of my teams, and this, this could end up being a lottery ticket you throw away, so I'm not guaranteeing anything here. Yeah. But I have a ton of Spencer Ware, uh, Kansas City running back. A guy who last year was a bowling ball to tackle, was really efficient as a goal line runner after Jamal Charles got hurt didn't get involved a lot in the past game. And what have they done in the preseason? Spencer Ware has been targeted eight times in the preseason. He's caught all eight passes. It doesn't mean he's going to be another Charles or another Matt Forte or anything like that, mm-hmm. but they're showing that they trust Ware in all situations. He's not just a first and second round grinder necessarily. He scored touchdowns in three straight preseason games. Wow. I think there's a chance he may have a role, even if Charles doesn't get hurt. And if Charles does get hurt, he's a guy with two ACL blowouts on his, on his resume. He's getting, to that pocket of a career where you get even nervous about anybody's even been healthy getting hurt. 
I think where it blows up. I mean, I know West is still there and everything, but I think they're going to funnel six to eight touchdowns to where, even if Charles isn't hurt. And if Charles is hurt, I think where scores double digit touchdowns. I have him. I know it's easy to say stash everybody. I know you have to play. You have to have enough playable options on your roster too. You can't just have seven lottery tickets because you need, you're going to have guys you get hurt. You need to fill in for the buys and all that. But I have Weir on a slew of my teams and I'm going to try to hold them as long as I can injuries and you know just situations that pop up to the side. I'm really going to try to hold this guy hopefully all season. Cause I think he's got tremendous upside. Even if Charles doesn't get hurt, I think he might be playable. If Charles does get hurt, Spencer Ware, I think could be a league winner. Scott, that is a great answer. I've had a lot of fun doing this conversation and uh, that's all we have for you today. I really appreciate you coming on and hoping I can talk to you sometime later in the season. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate the kind words. I have tremendous respect for how good our industry is. And there's a lot of people who are doing fantastic work. And again, you know, to me, it's strength in numbers. You know, you you take a few people you believe in, you get their advice, you kind of mix it together in a stew and you can do that at fantasy pros. I, I, think your site is again doing invaluable work I, I hope people are checking it out and you know um i'm just trying to learn something every day get a little bit better and, and i'm hoping this week's ranks will be better than last week's ranks and um i appreciate what you guys are doing thanks for having me thanks scott have a great week talk to you soon and that's all we have for you on the podcast this show our next show is going to be with matt Harmon of nfl.com the wide receiver whisperer and we're also going to talk about some projections so make sure to tune in for that if you haven't already, please subscribe on iTunes and leave a rating and review. That really helps us out a lot. Happy drafting. I just wanted you to watch me dissolve.